our emotions are created within ourselves, not on the outside. And so, you know, yes, we have all these things going on. Yes, there's chaos and yes, there's panic and yes, there's coronavirus, right? But you can be calm through the chaos, right? Because it's what you do on the inside. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Black Puppy D Radio. Today's guest is Ina Toppler. Ina is a certified clinical nutritionist practicing a functional medicine approach to health. She is the founder of Complete Nutrition and Wellness, an integrative nutrition practice, and she is the host of an amazing health podcast called Health Mysteries Solved. Ina is a high-level expert who's not only attained her incredible amount of knowledge and health through her years of education, but she's equally gained this knowledge through her own health journey. She was diagnosed with Hashimoto's by the age of 20. She also suffered from mercury toxicity, adrenal issues, parasites, candida, and the list goes on. So in this episode, you guys, Ina and I discuss a lot of great topics such as optimal nutrition tips during quarantine quarantine, understanding cortisol, the stress hormone, and how it fluctuates during the day in your body, understanding insulin, what is insulin and its effect on your blood sugar levels. We discuss the importance of high quality protein for muscle health and longevity. We talk about Ina's personal diet and supplement habits while being pregnant and quarantined. We talk about magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, you know, discussing what they are, why they're important, and especially, you know, why they are important to have optimal levels in your system right now. And, you know, Ina's, um, you know, ideas around best ways to dose. We discuss herbs that can be supportive to immunity, but could not be great for those with autoimmune issues. We discuss, you know, those with autoimmune issues, you know, is there something that you need to be doing different right now during COVID-19? We talk about mindset, you know, and, and why it's so important to keep a very healthy mindset throughout this process and Ina's unique approach to support her to keep her mindset in a very strong and healthy state. We talk about, you know, reframing COVID-19 in a way that actually serves you. We also discuss how Operating with compassion has been proven to boost your immunity. There's so many good points of conversation in this talk, you guys, that I know you'll love. And, you know, outside of the knowledge, I think what's so special is, you know, Ina has a very lovely energy about her. And I know that you're going to pick that up in the conversation. You know, she had me as a guest on her podcast a couple of months ago, and, and the link for that is in the show notes. And it's just been such a joy to get to know her more. And I, I so look forward to, you know, keeping this friendship going and growing because she's a lovely, lovely individual with such beautiful intentions that are really geared towards helping you live from your healthiest, most robust state of being. You know, it's an aligned mission with us for sure. So without further ado, you guys, please enjoy this conversation with Ina Toppler. 
priorities are shifting, but I do think that keeping healthy skin is really important, even in crazy times like this. And on that note, Ina, my beautiful guest, I have to ask you straight off the bat, what is your nationality? You have the most gorgeous skin. And I can't help but think like, are you from Iceland or like, so? <laughs> oh my gosh. well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, every time someone says that, I think it, it's, it makes me kind of think, wait, who me? Because well, nationality wise, I'm Lithuanian. So I was actually born in Lithuania. And so, you know, not Scandinavia per se, but in that region, Eastern yeah. Europe. And, um, I moved here when I was nine. Um, here but, to New York. Uh, moved to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in you know, Brooklyn and then we moved to New Jersey. And then once I graduated, I moved to Manhattan and then Hoboken, but all within that area. Yeah. But what's interesting and what makes me kind of say, wait, what? Like I still do like a double take when people say that is because, you know, I had quite a health journey, which is what got me to where I am today. And, you know, being a clinical nutritionist for the last 16 years, but I actually had a lot of health issues. And one of the main things was really bad acne. Oh, and wow. I had skin issues, I would say since I was probably 14, which, you know, in teenage years, that's something that, yeah, you know, happens, kind of typical, right? Yeah. The problem though, is it, it didn't go away. You know, I had it in college. I did Accutane twice. You oh, know, wow. most people do it once and then they're great. Like I did it once and then it, did, it worked a little, then came back and did it again. And you know, even though I had a lot of other health issues, I think it's the appearance, you know, the acne is sort of what got me to really want to explore more because I was going the regular route of antibiotics, both topical and internal, and, you know, seeing so many different doctors and just getting more medicines for my symptoms, which then gave me side effects that I would get more medicine for. And it was this, this very disjointed care. And it wasn't until I found someone who practices functional medicine, you know, which is what I do now, where, you know, we got to really dig and see. And, you know, the issue wasn't because I was deficient in antibiotics or that my skin was dirty. Because, oh my gosh, let me tell you, I had quite the routine. I mean, my friends would laugh. because like, oh, Ina's going to wash her face. All right, we'll see you in 30 minutes. <laughs> and this was like what happened in high school and college. Um, but it wasn't because my skin was dirty. But for me, it was a combination of so many things from I had mercury toxicity. I had a lot of gut dysbiosis, which, you know, for those people who are not familiar, that's when you have imbalances in bacteria in your gut. So I had candida, which is a type of yeast and different types of bacteria, even parasites, which I know people think, wait, parasites in the US, but it is quite common. Um, I had deficiencies in a lot of vitamins and minerals. I had food allergies. I had thyroid issues. Wow. And once I got in and kind of looked at everything, because no conventional doctor was able to really test me properly and show me all of that. A lot of it was, oh, you have this symptom. Okay, let me give you this medicine. Or you have this symptom, let me give you that. And you were put in this box, you know, and given a diagnosis and then given a medicine, which unfortunately for me didn't work. And so, you know, it took a couple of years. It wasn't overnight, but once I changed my diet based on what was right for me and took the right nutrients, did the right detox, fixed my gut, it, you know, the skin improved and I didn't need, you know, any medicine for that. That's which amazing. was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have gorgeous, like poreless, beautiful skin. <laughs> Um, that's, a, that's amazing. You know, it's so interesting because even in my own life, my, my, uh, my health knowledge and this whole journey and all that I know and, and all, now and all that I live essentially too, was really driven from 
from pain. It was from this, um, you know, three back-to-back knee surgeries that I had that resulted in me being, you know, not athletic the way that I was. Like I was just in bed essentially. And I was on, you know, I hated it too, but that I like Vicodin, you know, I was 17 as a long time ago. Um, and you know, and then I had, you know, I gained weight and I, I, I had no, I'm sure like you maybe in that, you know, in that time of your life, like I didn't know what was going on. Cause I was an athlete before that I had an eight pack. Like I was always, you know, I never had to think about diet and I was pretty much on the standard American diet, you know? So, you know, when shit hit the fan, basically I was like, what, what do I do right now? You know? And then it became this journey of basically trying to figure it out and crack the code as I call it to get back to homeostasis, you know? And it was, it was a long, it was a long journey, but it, you know, in the end it, it, I look back and I'm like, how that not had happened, you know, I mean, I don't know where I would have been, you know, but I, I am grateful that I have been able to, you know, attain not just the knowledge, but literally develop one of like one of the greatest passions that I live with, which brings me to tell you that I'm so grateful and so excited to be here with you and have this conversation with you, an incredible clinical nutritionist, you know, an incredible health expert. You know, I think right now we were just talking, um, you know, before we hit record that, you know, we are in this invisible war with this uh, new coronavirus that is uh, like globally hitting all of us, you know, and it's gnarly just, you know, moving through this period. And I think, you know, it's not even, I think we know that health is the most important piece right now. When we say health, we're thinking mindset, we're thinking nutrition, we're thinking, you know, your movement, exercise, all of that. So I'm just so grateful that, you know, I have an expert like you here to, you know, help our listeners navigate to the best of their ability around like, you know, hormone health, um, anti-inflammatory diets, just things that I would love to hear, you know, you think are really the most important pieces to be focusing on, um, by these means, nutrition, even mindset. I'm, you know, I always want to talk about that. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much for making time to be here. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me and for just being so empowering and inspiring and putting out all this amazing content. I mean, we need this and I don't think there's enough of this out there. Um, it's just so important. Thank you. I do, you know, and I'm going to put this in the show notes. Um, the last episode, I'm going to bust out your, this episode that we're recording now, I'm going to put this out pretty fast. I think right now, I don't know about you, but like, you know, we have the news and we have, you know, we're getting our information about this virus from all different kinds of places, the CDC and whatnot. And I feel like now more than ever, you know, I'm going to my podcast list and I, I you know, while it's it's not that I want to be super hyper focused on the virus, I'm really interested in listening to conversations from my favorite podcast hosts who are bringing this up in the conversation right now. You know, I think it's important, and and it's it's important to to get some of this information from people like yourself. I want to hear who Joe Rogan is talking to, or like Mind Pump. That's another you know one of my favorites. So in the show notes, I'm going to put your most recent episode from right now today that we're recording. The doctor that, um, Dr. Mario Martinez, Martinez. Yeah. That episode was incredible. So powerful. So 
you're thanking me for putting out this content. I'm thanking you right back because that was so, so helpful. So where do you want to start? I want to go wherever you want to go um, around this, this topic. Of course. So I think, as you were saying, it's important when we look at immunity and we look at trying to, you know, obviously boost our immune system and really be in the best health so that we can fight this. We want to look at it from all angles. Like you said, we have nutrition, we have the mindset, we have overall health. So why don't we start with first talking about the things that we're putting in our body? Yeah. And, you know, with that, it's going to be a combination of the foods that we eat and the nutrients that we take. And, you know, sometimes people think, oh, okay, well, just give me vitamins, some vitamins to take. And as a nutritionist, I love vitamins, obviously, but food is the foundation. We have to remember that. And I think a lot of people unfortunately forget. So as much as I love vitamins, you could take vitamins until, you know, you're blue in the face. If you're not eating well, they're not going to work as well. So we first need to focus on what we're feeding ourselves. Now, I understand that we're in a situation where certain foods may not be available right now. Um, I don't know how it is by you. You know, by me, this week is better. Last week, I think there was such a big, you know, run on <laughs> the stores yeah. that like there was no chicken, you know, the, like there was a lot of things that were missing. But yeah. this week we went and it was okay. So I think that right. it's, you know, it's not too bad. Um, and so what we want to focus on is trying to eat foods that, are less processed and clean. And, you know, I think we're all different. So I don't necessarily suggest that everyone eat meat or everyone not eat meat because I think that we have different metabolic types and some people do well as vegetarians or vegans and other people don't. And it has to do with what goes on in the body and the different metabolic processes. So it's hard for me to sort of recommend that for every person. But if you know what works for you, you know, if you're someone who really craves meat and needs meat, then great, have some meat. I mean, I do think in general, it's good that we don't overdo it. You know, I think that eating meat three times a day, you know, again, it depends on the person, it's but hard, typically, yeah. you know, we, we don't want to overdo it, but if you do all with meat, great, but try to pick. And again, we'll, depending what's available, but if possible meats that don't have antibiotics and hormones and meats that are cleaner, because we can't wash those things out of the meat. And we want to make sure that we're getting our vegetables. Now, again, fresh vegetables, if they're not as available, do frozen. Um, the nice thing about frozen is that they're usually uh, picked right at the peak of their freshness. Mm -hmm. So, and they're frozen immediately. And a lot of people think, oh, but they're frozen. So they're not going to be as good for you. But because they're picked and frozen immediately, it locks in a lot of the nutrients versus the fresh vegetables, depending on where they travel from, it could be two to three weeks before they get to your store. So, you know, I think nutrient wise, the frozen isn't that much worse the way people normally think it would be. I love frozen. Um, I always have frozen. I think it's in the, in the freezer, because I, I do think it's kind of like a hack too, you know, while I love my fresh, um, there are times where maybe I'm not home as much and so the fresh can go bad, but you always have, you can rely on like the, like right now my freezer is honestly full of grass fed bison, grass fed, you know, ground beef, wild salmon, and uh, like cauliflower rice. I tried to get more veggies at frozen veggies and they're out like online. It's, it's, it's crazy. And hopefully like where you are now in, in, um, tri-state area, you know, it'll, come back, um, you know, in the coming days. Cause I, I do, I'm looking at my breast, my fresh Brussels sprouts right now. And the, <laughs> I'm like, literally there's like six left. I'm like, no, <laughs> I love my Brussels so much. It's insane. But you know, for me, my diet is so it's really geared towards high quality protein and then fats. It's just what my body loves. It's what mm -hmm. it's 
you know, so my cabinets are full of healthy fats, you know, I froze some avocado even because obviously avocados will go bad quickly. Yeah. So I mashed it up and put it in the freezer. If I need to like make a little smoothie thing out of it, just giving some tips and ideas, but ultimately just echoing and validating what you just said. I think it's, it, you're right. I mean, everybody's diet is so different. One thing I want to ask you, um, you know, for vegans and vegetarians, do you think that, you know, because the amino acid profile is not as strong as, um, you know, when you're eating animal protein, do you recommend BCAAs? Like leucine is a very important amino acid. Um, I tell my friends, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm saying this. So my friends that are vegan or vegetarian, I say, cool, do your thing, but make sure that with your meals, you're, you're getting your BCAAs because especially if they don't lift weights, right? Cause that's another form of muscle protein synthesis or trigger. Would you, would you say that that's a good thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, and cool. I'm with you. I'm, I'm a meat eater as well. Yeah. Um, I tend to do well with kind of a balance. Um, I do well with a little bit less fat. So I yeah. substitute a little bit more carbs, but mm -hmm. then I use a lot of lean protein. And I've learned that with my metabolic type, that works best, you know, versus yeah. like you're saying for you, you do really like good protein, high fat. And then there's other people that may be able to do a little bit less, but the amino acids are so important. So definitely the branch chains. And I think it's important to know too, that if people are supplementing with protein powders, which I love protein powders, if yeah. need be, especially for those that are vegetarian or vegan, um, you know, you just have to make sure that the ones you're getting have the complete balance of everything. Um, yeah. like collagen protein, for example, it's wonderful, but it doesn't have certain things. Right. So you make sure that you're balancing that with the branch chains, um, you know, or doing a, a good quality uh, protein, you know, that has stuff. But I think extra is always good. Okay, Definitely. cool. I love that. I think, you know, the reason why that's an important message I, I wanted to share right now is because when you think too, um, that people don't have access to, maybe you're a vegan vegetarian or, you know, and you, but you usually go to the gym and you lift weights or things like that. But right now, you know, the gyms are closed and maybe you don't have a weight set in your home or whatever. So just thinking about how to keep your muscles strong, because this is a longevity organ and it's so important to keep your immune system strong. So I, I just want to make sure that that is, you know, from your expertise as well, like that is integrated into this conversation as a, as a tip for our listeners. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and I think what we were talking about just with the vegetables, again, everyone's going to be a little different. You know, some people may not do as well with a lot of oxalates. So eating yeah. a lot of spinach may not be as good or eating a lot of sulfur may not be as good. But I think that if we try to balance, mm -hmm. you know, and eat the rainbow, I mean, I know that sounds like kind of cheesy because people always say that, but, you know, eat just a variety of things and there's going to be less of an issue with then having some of these imbalances with too many histamines or too many oxalates or too much sulfur, you know, because I do have patients who, um, you know, have certain conditions where maybe they're prone to rashes or um, maybe they're prone to headaches or, you know, things like eczema or even stomach aches. And sometimes when I look at what they eat and we do a food sensitivity test, you know, they're not sensitive per se to a specific food, but they may be eating a very high amount of sulfur because mm -hmm. all they eat is cruciferous vegetables all day, which I love. And I think they're mm -hmm. great and they're so good for you, but it's just nice to balance because those things are very high in sulfur and certain people with certain genetic variances may not process it as well. And what's interesting about that is, you know, if someone's not processing their sulfates, um, sulfites, excuse me, properly into sulfate, it backs up into ammonia. 
And when you have too much ammonia in the body, well, guess what happens? Well, you have rashes and eczema and potentially headaches and stomach aches. And we know it's also very, very interesting that I think is not talked about nearly enough is when you look at that pathway, it's the transsulfuration pathway. And if you have the sulfites backing up into ammonia, the ammonia can actually go directly into cortisol. And cortisol is our stress hormone. And so sometimes you'll have people, they'll say, well, I'm not that stressed. There's really not much going on in my life, but yet you test them and their cortisol is through the roof. And they may also feel, you know, high cortisol often will feel like sometimes anxiety or overwhelm with just this like wound up kind of feeling. And I've had many cases like this where it's literally this biochemical reaction. And, you know, we've done, until we figured it out with them, we've done certain nutrients like phosphatidylserine, for example, which is wonderful to lower cortisol. And with some of those people with that pattern, it didn't work. And, you know, back, this was probably five, six years ago before I figured all this out, I was racking my brain thinking, well, why isn't this working? It's working for everyone else. But, you know, that's the beauty of this individualized care, you know, we're all so different. And then kind of seeing that it's the food that was causing that. And then within, you know, two weeks, that cortisol drops. It's pretty amazing to see. That's that's amazing. I'm so glad you bring that up. I mean, when you think about cortisol right now, it's like more than ever, we need cortisol to be in check. And it's, you know, it's always good to say this too. Cortisol is not like the evil hormone, you know, I think it gets a bad rap in some ways. Yes. Obviously it serves a great purpose. It's, it's there for a reason, but it's one of those hormones that you really need to manage and make sure that it's in check. So, you know, because obviously cortisol levels being too high can lower your immune system, right? Exactly. And, and we, yeah. don't, we don't want that. No, we definitely don't. And I think to kind of just talk about cortisol for a second, a little further, exactly what you're saying. It's not bad. We just need the right amount. And I think what's important for people to know is that your cortisol actually varies throughout the day and it's supposed to. So it's supposed to look like a ski slope curve. So in the morning when you wake up, it should be at its highest within a certain range, of course. And then it should slowly go down throughout the day and be at its lowest in the evening Again, not too low, but within that range. And that's the problem sometimes that if you go to see a doctor who just draws blood and they test your cortisol, it's a one-time level. So you don't really know because you can't compare it to what happens later in the day. So you really want to look at what that day looks like to make sure the curve goes down. Because what we often see, especially in times of stress, is we may see a normal um, cortisol level in the morning. And then it may go down a little bit in the afternoon and more in the later afternoon. And then instead of going down further at night, it spikes up. And, and that's is, what we call a reverse cortisol curve. And that's what a lot of people with adrenal fatigue, I put in quotations because, you know, um, I feel like they experience that, right? Like I, I know friends that have adrenal yeah. fatigue like, and at night they're just ramped up. Right. Well, so, and that's what leads to adrenal fatigue. So typically when your cortisol is high, but your morning one is still okay, Mm -hmm. that's kind of like stage one of adrenal issues. What happens is that if we don't get that in check and don't figure out what's creating it and how we can bring it down at night, there's only so much cortisol that your body can produce. So if you're constantly bringing it up at night, eventually the morning will drop just because there isn't any. And then eventually the night will drop too. And then you get that flat line curve. So that's stage three. And that's kind of the real adrenal fatigue where there's just no cortisol. And, you know, what's important to know here is that these things are fixable. You know, obviously the later stages, it takes a little bit longer and there's a little bit more work to do, but this isn't like, oh, 
you know, that's it. You're screwed kind of thing. No, like everything can be fixed. You just have to kind of get in there, see what's going on and see what's causing it. And, you know, I think with cortisol and like we're saying right now, obviously, you know, we're all stressed and there's a lot going on, but cortisol can go up due to emotional issues, obviously, but also physical. People don't realize that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if there's an infection that you have in your body, you know, whether it's a virus or even more so some type of a chronic infection, like a gut infection, like H. pylori or candida, or perhaps Epstein-Barr virus, which, you know, might be dormant, but can reactivate. All of those things can raise it. So sometimes it's not just what we think in our emotions, it's some of these other things too. So some people that have that tend to be more prone because they have these underlying things. You know, I always say that, you know, if we think about our nervous system, you know, we always want to do everything we can to downregulate our nervous system. And, you know, ideally, you know, our nervous system should hopefully be oscillating at like a one or a two mm-hmm. so that when we have stress, maybe it'll go up to like a five or a six. But if we're constantly oscillating at, let's say, a six or a seven, then we can go up to 11 or 12. And if we think that 10 is that threshold, then the alarms are going off. So it's the same kind of idea with cortisol. If you have all these underlying things, even a little bit of stress could put you over the edge. I love that. That's so powerful. And it makes me go towards, uh, you know, sugar. (laughs) 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 That just bridged me to sugar. Because when I think about foods that really attack our body, you know, and attack, when I say attack, I mean, not doing our body's favor, like literally hurting us, you know, is there, do you know if, cause I don't know if this is actually proven, but is there a direct response, um, to cortisol from sugar? So like super high sugary foods, a lot, basically yes. a lot of, yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. Yes. So let, let me explain how that works. So when you eat sugar in large amounts, especially, you know, sugar that's processed. So not necessarily a fruit, you know, which will have the fiber and the nutrients. So kind of um, stops the absorption a little bit, but let's just say a cookie or a candy bar or, you know, ice cream that's really high in sugar. What's going to happen is our blood sugar is going to go up and that's a normal process because blood sugar goes up when we have sugar or even something that's a really kind of dense processed carbohydrate, like a lot of white pasta or white bread that turns to sugar. So it's sort of similar. Right. And so when our blood sugar goes up, that signals an alarm in the body. And it's kind of like, ding, 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 help me, help me. My blood sugar is high because our blood sugar is supposed to be at a certain level at all times. Mm -hmm. So our body then thankfully has compensatory mechanisms. So it has insulin, which is the hormone that brings blood sugar down. And so insulin will come out. And I explain this in a way like, and it's not, if you look at a blood test, these ranges are not exactly that, but for just the sake of this explanation, if we think about a normal blood sugar, let's say being neutral, like a zero, it's not really zero, but just to explain this, right? Let's think of it as zero. And let's just say we have something really sugary and our sugar goes up 30 points, right? To 30. Well, then we need, let's say 30 points of insulin to bring it down back to zero. And again, these aren't exact numbers. I'm just giving the example. So insulin is helping you, right? It's saving you from high blood sugar. But what's important to know is that insulin is actually an inflammatory hormone. So when it comes out on high amounts, it creates inflammation. And if you do this multiple times a day, you have the spike of blood sugar and then the insulin. So you have this inflammation, inflammation, inflammation. And eventually your body gets so used to producing insulin that you can become resistant where you need more. So instead of 30 units of insulin to get it down, you may need 50 or 100, right? And that creates a lot of inflammation. And how that affects cortisol 
is blood sugar instability, right? Or blood sugar imbalance is one of the biggest physical stressors on the body. And people do not think about it that way. They just don't think of it as a stressor. So if you're going up, down, up, down, that's raising your cortisol. I mean, sometimes, you know, if you're, um, you know, I have certain people that I've worked with and, you know, let's say they have high cortisol or they have certain stressors, we fix blood sugar and that fixes like 75% of the issues, even though they may have a stressful job and all these other things going on. So there is absolutely a relationship there. Yeah. It's so, oh God, that's so good that you shared that because also when you think like right now people are emotional, they're already stressed out. So their cortisol is already high. And oftentimes, you know, especially if they don't have healthy eating habits, you know, you're going to those foods to try and get the, you know, the serotonin, the dopamine, like to calm you down, but really you're in this vicious cycle where now you're elevating more cortisol and you're becoming, I think something that's so important to really capture that you said like insulin resistant, because you want to be insulin sensitive, right? Like I, my blood sugar levels are, the I, I don't, I don't eat really like maybe the occasional, um, Hugh Kitchen chocolate, dark chocolate cashew. I love so much. And not to demonize if you do have a cookie or you do have a thing, but it's just that because it's not really a part of my diet, I genuinely don't feel cravings for it. Like it's just not part of my palate or my microbiome. Like I crave bison and avocado and my Brussels sprouts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, because of that, I am very insulin sensitive. And this is very important when you think about longevity, you know, your health in the, in the long game. Right. So we know, you know, some of the things that we've known about or are learning about this new coronavirus is that it, it's, it likes attacking people that are diabetic, um, you know, just have like underlying health issues. So, you know, the diet right now, obviously for you and I, we're always, you know, preaching like, eat quality nutrient dense foods. But I think this needs to be on loudspeaker right now, because it's almost like when you are reaching for these foods that are going to attack your body and raise your cortisol and be inflammatory and all that, it's almost like you're putting a a target on you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. It's gnarly. What about foods? What are some of the top foods right now that you think could be, and I know that you can't prescribe anyone's diet. Everybody is very individual, but there are some general foods that can, you know, be helpful to lower, decrease inflammation and just, you know, be very supportive to our immune system. But wanting to note that we're not trying to say like, oh, this is the cure to the, the virus or that, you know, you may not be susceptible, but it's just kind of like, if you know you're going to war, right? Painting a picture, what, what are, what kind of shield, what kind of sort, like, you know, that you very, very well may be hit in the line of fire. You may get hurt, but what armor are you putting on that could, if you got hit and you got hurt could potentially save your life? Like that's my warrior. (laughs) (laughs) I love that question. Love that. So I think that, Let's first just really quick talk about the things that we want to take out just to make sure that everyone's on the same page because, you know, we want to put the good things in definitely. But like you said, the processed sugar and processed carbs and bad fats that are hydrogenated, like the trans fats, the fried foods, we want to take that out because if you have a lot of those, I mean, it still helps, of course, to have healthy foods on top of that, but -hmm. then they're almost like fighting with each other. So I think like to have a cleaner slate to take those foods out first, that would be great. And then to add in good fats 
are going to be extremely anti-inflammatory. So things like avocado, which you mentioned, um, nuts. And, you know, again, some people may have certain allergies, obviously, but I think nuts that are higher in omega-3s like walnuts. And then, you know, other nuts that are generally less inflammatory are going to be things like hazelnuts and almonds and macadamia nuts. I like almonds too, but almonds are high in lectins and there are some people that may be sensitive to them. So, you know, kind of depends, but I think those other ones are going to be great. And then, you know, using good quality oils. So it's things like olive oil, but not in cooking just because it has a high smoke point. So you don't want to heat it, but you know, on salad dressings or on cold things, and then using things like coconut oil or maybe ghee, which is a clarified butter mm-hmm. um, to cook with, which is going to be much healthier. Yeah, I love avocado oil too. I use avocado oil and coconut are my main ones for cooking. Yeah. And then, you know, we want foods that are going to be rich in vitamin C and other phytonutrients because that helps to boost the immune system. So, you know, the vegetables that have that, you know, a lot of the green leafy vegetables, but then also, you know, the vegetables that are in the orange family, those are high in C and E. So we're talking about um, orange peppers and carrots. Carrots do have sugar, so we don't want to overdo it, but some carrots are great. And, um, you know, like the yellow squash, um, you know, so any of like the yellow orange family ones um, are going to be really, really wonderful. But I would say when it comes to vegetables, what you know, everyone likes different things. I would say whatever vegetable you like that's non-starchy. So I'm not talking about potatoes or corn or peas. They don't count. I know they're considered vegetables, but in my book, they're more starches. But yeah. non-starchy vegetable, which is really anything but those things, just have them. A lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> as you can as much as you can find them right now. I love that. Also, seeds too, right? Seeds are mm-hmm. another. Yeah. So seeds are going to be a great way to get good fat too. Um, Pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, um, those are wonderful. And then you have to get protein. So whether that's lean, clean kind of meat um, or good quality fish like wild salmon, um, sardines are wonderful. I love my sardines. (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. And then um, if you don't eat meat, then a good quality protein powder. I just think that most people aren't getting enough. You know, there are some people who say like, oh, all you need is a certain amount. You don't really need more. And I don't know. I mean, again, everyone's different, but I just find that, you know, the 20 grams or so that people sometimes think is all they need. I just don't agree with that. Yeah. I can't even imagine, you know, gratefully, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is, is, she's a friend of ours and connected us. Um, I adore her. She's the queen of the conversation around muscle health. And, you know, I was anemic. I don't think you know this, um, or I don't remember if we talked about it before, but yeah, I was, I, I found out I was anemic after I, I didn't eat meat for 16 years, something like that. And I've addressed it a lot on the podcast already, but, um, you know, I did my first comprehensive blood lab, you know, this is two years ago and discovered that my, my ferritin levels were at 14 and it's wow. so, it, I know, right. It's like, <laughs> And I was still crushing. I told Gabrielle in our podcast last year, and she's like, wow, you're an overachiever. Are you overachieved? That's what she said. And it's what was crazy is like, you know, obviously that's a testament to the, the rest of my health because I was still capable of like lifting all the weights and doing all the things. And, um, you know, and my diet was very, very clean and healthy and, you know, just structured around like veggies and, you know, um, fats and I definitely had my, I ate fish and eggs, but what I discovered is that when I started, because after that, I, I was like, that's it. I, and I already learned so much about the nutrients and specifically red meat. That's the only meat that I eat, but 
I was like, that's it. I'm just, I'm going there, you know? And it was psychologically weird the first few days because it had been so long, but my purpose was so much stronger than my fear that I, I, I moved past it. And I'm so grateful I did because this goes back to what you were just saying. I discovered um, very quickly just through feeling and even body composition that I was not getting, it wasn't that I wasn't just getting enough protein because that was certainly number reason number one, uh, but it was also that I wasn't getting enough high quality protein. Yeah. So, and this goes back to why I was saying like, maybe if I was incorporating more BCAAs or things like that, when I was, you know, doing my plant protein, maybe that would have been helpful and I wouldn't have, you know, gotten so down on the, yeah. you know, but yeah. yeah, well, and then also in addition to that, maybe taking certain nutrients like B12 and iron, if totally, you know, so yeah. 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 And I think I'm so glad to hear that, you know, you did the blood test, you saw there was an issue and then you tried it and that you felt well with it because it's something where, you know, sometimes people may do it. And like you said, there's the mental component um, which we have to get through. But then once they get through that, I sometimes hear people say, I just don't feel well on it. Now, here's the thing. There's, I think, two parts to that. One part could be that maybe it's not right for you, right? Because we're all different. So that is a possibility. But the other big thing, and I think it's probably the bigger part, is that when you don't meet, sorry, when you don't eat meat for a while, what happens is that you lose the enzymes to process it. And your hydrochloric acid, which is the acid that our stomach produces, is going to be lower because there's less need for it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times, if people tell me they don't feel well, I always say, okay, well, tell me exactly what happened. What do you mean you don't feel well? And if they say, you know what? It just sat there like a brick in my stomach, or I got gassy from it. That's an indication, well, wait a minute. That's not necessarily that the meat's bad for you. That's because you just didn't have enough acid or didn't have enough enzymes. Let's try that, right? And so then we would give them some betaine, which is a supplement to help increase it when they eat the meat, right? Or some digestive enzymes or some other things that they may be missing. And then I always ask them, well, when you eat it, how did you feel, right? Is it still sitting in your stomach? And almost all the time they'll say, no, it's gone. Um, and sometimes even without the supplements, if you do it for a little bit, your body will adjust. It just may yeah. take a little bit of time, but I think the nutrients might help, you know, even if it's for the first month, you know, especially with someone like you, if you haven't eaten or someone hasn't eaten meat for 16 years, I mean, your microbiome is going to change your, the way your digestion is, is not, it's not going to be used to it. So that's not. Yeah. It's not, it's not unreasonable. If, if you, fortunately in my situation, I had no issues. Amazing. I, I do take, um, I do take some, um, digestive enzymes. Just, I just always do, but, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't experience that. Uh, but I think psychologically it's easy to think that that could take place because, you know, such a long period of not incorporating in the diet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple of other things just in, in terms of, um, diet, I think it's cause it's just such an important piece here to overall health, but just navigating around, you know, um, the coronavirus right now, are there any other things that are really like in your own home? And I know, again, I'm just going to keep saying this, everybody's so individual, but like, what are some of the key focuses that you're, you know, making sure that, uh, cause you're a newer mommy, right? So are you a newer, a newer I might say that. Sorry. You are, you have a brand new baby <laughs> or brand newer. <laughs> well, brand newer, he's there. He's actually three and a half. Um, oh, why was I but, thinking that? Okay. Well, he's still, but, 
but I am pregnant. So I have a baby on the way. I don't know if I told you that or not, actually. You didn't tell me. That's amazing. Yes. Exciting. Yeah. So I'm like 16 weeks right now. So yes, I'm okay. That's amazing. So is there anything in your own household um, that you are really making sure in addition to what we just said uh, that you're focusing on with you and your family by way of diet nutrition, that could be helpful to, to others. I mean, listen, a lot of people have to eat at home now, which for Mm -hmm. me, this is just normal. I never, it's like rare that I eat out because I love cooking and I love my food, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, but you know, that's a huge pivot for people. All of a sudden you just, you can't get your typical food out there. And so yeah, if you have any suggestions outside of what we just talked about, eating the rainbow, the protein, and the fats, um, I think it could be rad too. To so I think what I try to do for myself is I make sure that I balance my meals so that you know I don't just eat protein one meal and then vegetables in another. I have them all together so my blood sugar is balanced. I don't skip meals. I don't do well, especially now being pregnant when I skip meals or, and some people do intermittent fasting, which, you know, there's a ton of research on it. So people do really well with it. For me personally, it's a little bit hard because I do need to eat in the morning. So I think it's good for people to figure out what their threshold is and try it and see. But if you start to feel faint or not feeling well, then eating within an hour or two of waking up is going to be important. Um, And then, you know, I also take a lot of different nutrients. I mean, even though I eat very clean and I eat a lot of different things, I think that our food supply, you know, as much as I try to shop at, you know, local markets and, you know, we even grow some of our own stuff in the, in the summertime, um, you know, different vegetables, but it's just the soil is more depleted. You know, there's just certain things that we can't get from food. So I find for me and for a lot of the patients that I see, it's a combination of a lot of like just really cleaning up your diet and eating as many nutrients as you can, but then also taking specific supplements to help to support that. And I test people so I can see what people are deficient in. But even if someone doesn't have tests, I think there are just certain nutrients that we generally tend to be more deficient in. And I think right now with everyone being more stressed, you know, things like magnesium, for example, our body uses magnesium at four times the rate when we're under stress. Oh, wow. And magnesium is something that, um, oh, there's different types of magnesium, but typically magnesium helps to relax our muscles. It tends to be calming and can help us sleep. Um, you know, there's magnesium uh, that's chelated. Um, so one form that I use a lot is magnesium glycinate, and that goes into the tissues. So that helps the relaxation. Then there's also magnesium salts, like a magnesium citrate. That tends to bring water to the bowel. So if someone's constipated, that's a good thing to do. That doesn't get into the tissues much, but the chelated forms of magnesium, I think are wonderful, especially for right now. Yeah, no, that's such a great point. Um, you know, another one would vitamin D, right? Like most of us don't get enough vitamin D, even though it comes from the sun and, but vitamin D regulates over a thousand of our genes. And it's such a big, it's like an MVP towards, um, strong immunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so vitamin D, you know, and magnesium, I think is something more for like the stress component, but for my sort of immune protocol that everyone's emailing me asking about right now, you know, I think it's important to get your levels up. So a couple of things about vitamin D. Vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin, which means that you need fat to absorb it. And 
a lot of times if people have any issues with fat digestion, like maybe they have an issue with their gallbladder or it that doesn't even have to be a gallbladder disease, but a lot of times our bile, which is what's produced in the liver and stored in the gallbladder, it could be kind of sludgy. You know, almost like if you have a maple syrup container, you know, and you try to pour it out and it's all like crusted and stuck and it won't come out, that can happen to bile. Um, you know, and there's certain nutrients like uh, dandelion root or celadine that can help with that. But if that's, if someone has that issue, the absorption of vitamin D isn't going to be very good. And, you know, those are the people that they'll get a blood test and they take vitamin D capsules and nothing, you know, like their D is just not really going up. Um, So liquid vitamin D could be really helpful. And I usually recommend that people find an emulsified vitamin D. So not just liquid where vitamin D is mixed in oil, but it's actually emulsified where it almost becomes kind of water soluble in the way. So it's easier to absorb. That's so huge. Thank you for saying that. And And it's really- is having a hard time getting hers up and she's taking the 10,000 and she takes it with fat because I tell her, you know, take Mm -hmm. it with fat. But that's an interesting, maybe she needs to go there then. Exactly. And there's so many brands that have that. It's really not hard to find anymore these days. And typically you may not even need 10,000. You may need 5,000 of the Emulsify to do what 10 or 15,000 maybe can or can't do even. Right. Um, You know, and I think I'll note also about the ranges, a typical lab range for vitamin D is 30 to 100, which is a huge range. I mean, in general, lab ranges are going to be very large. So, you know, we want to be at around 50 or so. And I think that when we're trying to boost immunity or if someone has an autoimmune disease or an immune system that's just, you know, very vigilant, like overvigilant against our own organs, then being more towards like 60 or 70. I have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune of the thyroid. So I like to keep my D around 65 or so. Um, yeah, got it. I know mine's in the high forties and I'm like, it's not good enough. And I take 5,000 and I, you know, and I, I'm in the sun, I don't wear sunglasses. Um, but just to say like, even maybe I'm going to go liquid, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want mine to be a little higher. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes even if you do a month or two of liquid just to get it up Mm -hmm. and then maintain with the capsules, because sometimes unless you take really high amounts of the capsules, it's hard to just get it there. You know, once you're there, you might be able to maintain better. Yeah. I love that. And that just also drives from the point of how important it is, you know, to test vitamin D now is on the majority of, of tests, whether you're working with a functional, you know, physician or not, but you know, the functional physician, integrated physicians, you know, nutritionists like yourself. I always say when I talk to you guys and talk on the podcast about you guys, you understand the body for what it is. It's a system of systems and you need to understand it that way because, you know, a lot of, and this is not to like point any doctors out, like they're not doing their job right, but it's just, it's comprehension, you know, and a lot of doctors might see like, oh, you're in the thirties. That's cool. But like, "Mm, no, you maybe with the vitamin D, you actually want to be higher to, you know, really like strengthen your, your body as a whole, your health, right? You guys understand you can connect the dots and go, well, just like you said, well, the gallbladder might not be producing the bile. So maybe you need to do it. And I just think that's so important. Not only, you know, I just, I, I, obviously there's more functional physicians and, you know, functional, um, nutritionists, integrated physicians like yourself, who I feel like we're starting to, you guys are emerging more, or maybe we just have more access, you know, both. But I think it's just so important for people to realize that you're out there. And then also, you know, the testing part, you know, like I said, two years ago, I, and I, I had been waiting. Um, I actually, 
because Dr. Rhonda Patrick, you know, I had already been deep into her, like studying and learning from her at that point. And I I was like, okay, where am I going to get my test from? You know? And I'm like, I don't want to just do it online. Where do I take it? Because I didn't have access to somebody like yourself who understood the system of systems, like the foreign language is how I frame it. You guys know the foreign language. And then, um, then comes, um, you know, I would meet who is now a very good friend of mine, who's also a clinical nutritionist, Julie Keen. I know you guys are friends now online Yeah, and, and she's incredible. Like she knows the foreign language. So I, I started doing my testing with her and with the functional doctor that she referred me to as well. And it, it was like a game changer because, you know, I don't, per, for me personally, I don't want to just be healthy, like base. I want to kick ass. Like I want to keep <laughs> kicking ass at all fronts because our health, you know, even when you think about like muscle, right? Around 30, I think is the age we start to lose muscle. And it also starts to become more difficult to keep our muscle, like keep putting on muscle, right? And I'm just using muscle as one example, but there's several we can go through in the body. So in my mind, I'm like, cool. I don't want to just do the bare minimum. So I have muscle. Like I want to make sure that I'm keeping my muscles strong in my forties and my fifties and my sixties and my seventies so that I can put my own bags above my head in, you know, the airplane that I can get up and run with, you know, my whatever nieces, nephews, and like, you know what I mean? And, and not have to just be, you know, sitting on a couch and can't move. I want this on all fronts of of my health and my body, right? So how do I do that? Well, labs to me, and I understand that, you know, it's difficult with insurance and finance, you know, money and all that. But for me, this is really how I can monitor my health, you know, from the most accurate way that I know currently. It's obviously when you're taking blood, it's a snapshot, right? So for me, it's this like continuing thing that I do every three to six months or whatever. But I just think it's so important to, a work with people like yourself um, who understand the language and can do this kind of testing and explain things. And that's another piece. You, you empower your clients because you actually teach them what's going on, right? Like when you think about right now, how many people are like, Oh shit. Okay. Wait, I got to be healthy. Wait, how do I do that? Like, I know I'm supposed to eat vegetables, but like, if you don't understand why and, and being healthy, like, Oh, so you're healthy, not good enough. That doesn't shape habits. You had to go through so much pain from your autoimmune issues and all the things for you to be so purpose driven to be like, hold on, I got to figure this out. Same with me. So I feel like, you know, one of the things that I think is also so incredible about working with people like yourself is that you don't just say, Hey, take this, do this with your diet. You're like, let me explain to you why this is the case. And now you've empowered people to keep themselves healthy and strong, even without Ina being in there, you know, although I'm sure they could become addicted to you. Like I, am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, yeah, yeah, no, so true because I think explaining the why is half of it. You know, I don't want people to do stuff because I told them to, I want them to understand that. And my goal isn't to have them see me forever, even though I feel like I've had people that have seen me for like 10 years and not because they haven't gotten better, but just because, you know, they feel better. And then maybe they want to have a baby. So we work on that. And then they come for their children, whatever it is, you know, it's just this ongoing process, but yeah, it's all about understanding why, but also understanding the why of their own body, because 
like we were saying, and, you know, kind of keep saying this, everyone is different. And I think what's also interesting is, you know, you're mentioning that you want to be optimal, right? You want to make sure you have a lot of muscle. You want to kick ass, right? You know, and I think it's the same for me. I mean, I think maybe for just slightly different underlying reason, you know, but I think everyone has something. I mean, for me, it's just having the autoimmune and having some of these things. I have to work a little bit harder than sort of like to say the quote unquote average person, right? So, you know, we may all know people that they like, can eat French fries and eat McDonald's and feel okay, at least for now. That doesn't right. mean it's going right. to be okay for now. Right? Like I can't do that. And, you know, at first, like I was very angry about that. I'm like, why is it that all my friends can go out and drink beer and I can't because I don't feel well, you know? And now like, I'm not angry anymore. It's almost, it's a blessing, you know, because this is what my body needs. And yes, I have to work a little harder and, you know, and it's in all aspects. Um, and I know we'll get into some of the mind aspects in, in a little bit, but it's, you know, the nutrition, it's the nutrients, it's the detox part, but it's also how I, what I focus on, what I think about and all of that. Yeah. Um, you know, but, and, and that's okay. You know, like I'm not angry about that. I'm actually happy that I have to do that so that my body can be that much better. Because I think back, like if I didn't do this in my early twenties, I mean, I already had a diagnosis of Hashimoto's fibromyalgia. I had all wow. these different IBS, migraine headaches. I mean, you name it. Like I have no idea where I would be right now at 40 you know, almost 20 years later, if I didn't do this, like I, I, I don't want to even think about where I would be. Yeah, no, I so relate to that because I remember in those younger years where I'd gained weight and I was, you know, just really uncomfortable with this, all of a sudden, like this shell almost like that I had on me. And I remember there, you know, and then you can, in, you know, young girl, you can see other girls just eating whatever and they, and not even working out and they're, and they're, and you know, and they're whatever at the time it was like, it was more about being thin, right? Cause yeah you know, especially being 41, 42. So in that time frame, when I was a teenager, it was more about that right now. Strong is beautiful. Hey, <laughs> but, but what's so interesting is like, I, I remember, you know, a couple of years into my journey with the whole thing, I was like, actually, I mean, I was always athletic. I was a competitive, um, runner as a kid and I was into soccer you know, I started surfing in my teens. So being athletic was always a part of my program. But I remember thinking, you know, in these uncomfortable years, like, you know what, I would rather have this diet, nutrition, training part figured out now. And like, when I say figured out, I mean, I have these implemented as like my lifestyle, like these are habits now, because it gets harder in later years. We know that like, if you don't have these, you know, if it is, if eating healthy as an example right now is not your norm it's harder for you, like straight up. I, I can't like pretend that that's not the case, right? Or if you're not someone who's used to exercising or getting movement in, like it's, it's harder for you as you get, because we become so much more, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but just like, you know, fixed almost, right? I never mm -hmm. want to be fixed growth mindset. So always finding ways to learn and grow, but you know, people do become very fixed in their personalities and their way of life. So it is interesting. I so relate to you that, you know, while it may have seemed at the time, like uh, this unfortunate state of affairs, it turns out to be something that has shaped your life to be, you know, um, just empowered and, and really like not just healthy for you, but I mean, think about all the people, even right now on the podcast that you are supporting, you know, um, you're supporting their health. It's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. It's like Thank a little you. gift. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do want to ask you, 
you know, with around the topic of autoimmune issues, you know, you, you, cause I feel like I'm curious, I don't know, but you know, I have a lot of friends that have autoimmune issues. Um, is there any extra threat or like, are you considering things a little differently with this virus, you know, upon us? I, I, I don't know, like, does that mm-hmm. affect us differently? If you have an autoimmune issue like Hashimoto's or, or, um, what's the other one graves or, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Name yeah. Them. So that's a good question. And um, actually, that's a, a good segue to just kind of going back to some of the nutrients that, you know, how that could affect it. And so to answer your question, it can, I mean, for me, I don't think it's as much of an issue just because it's controlled and my immune system is more balanced with all the work that I've done where my body is kind of recognizing, hey, this is bad and this is good. I think the issue more is, you know, if someone has an autoimmune and they are on immune suppressive medications, you know, because in some situations, you know, if someone is, um, you know, very progressed in their autoimmune and perhaps maybe they're not doing anything functional and they're just doing more conventional. The only answer to deal with autoimmunity from a conventional standpoint is immune suppressing drugs, because if your immune system is attacking your own tissues, then let's shut it down so it doesn't attack it. But obviously this is the time more than ever where we need our immune system. So that's where I think we want to be mindful. And I know that a lot of um, rheumatologists you know, and doctors that are dealing with autoimmunity are speaking to their patients who are on some of those medications um, you know, and seeing what can be done or should be done in those cases. Um, you know, but I think autoimmune or not, you know, there's still going to be a lot of things that you can do. And I just want people to know that even if someone has diabetes, right, or heart disease or, or lung issues, I mean, yes, you're more prone, but that doesn't mean that we just sit and wait for it to come get us, you know? Right. There's different things that we can do. And like we were saying with diet that we talked about, and then just going back to the nutrients, I just wanted to tell your listeners a couple of other things just so they have a good idea so they can have what they need in their toolkit. So we talked about magnesium for stress. Um, and then we um, talked about um, vitamin, D. vitamin D, yes. And then the next one I want to talk about is vitamin C, which you know I think a lot of people know about vitamin C, but there's a couple of little things that people may not know that I think is interesting. So we know that C is going to be immune boosting. And of course, foods that are high in vitamin C are going to be... Um, you know, broccoli has a lot of vitamin C, leafy greens have C, and then, you know, fruits have C too, like strawberries and oranges, but, you know, fruits do have sugar. So, you know, some people tell me, oh, I just drink orange juice instead of taking C. I'm like, well, you're getting 40 grams of sugar in that glass of orange juice. So you kind of are offsetting, Um, you know, so keep that in mind. But the other interesting thing about vitamin C is that it actually can have this almost like a viral encapsulating type of effect. Um, And so what I recommend is taking vitamin C as prevention, you know, and depending on, you know, your size, your weight, uh, there's different, but for like an average, say, 130 pound female, right? Mm -hmm. About 2000 milligrams or two grams of vitamin C is good, but I recommend in divided doses. So it could be 500 throughout the day or maybe a thousand twice a day. But if you are actually already sick, you can take small doses of vitamin C very often. So 500 every hour. Um, And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, And vitamin C can create a looser bowel movement if you take too much, but typically it's if you take too much all at once. So if someone takes 5,000, you know, if they take five 1,000 milligram pills, yeah, you might get some diarrhea. But if you take 500 every hour, that kind of helps to deal with the virus, helps to boost the immune system. And it's really, really good. Um, So I think it's just a good thing to have in your arsenal. Um, And then zinc is another great one. Um, And I don't recommend that people take high dose zinc all the time because 
everything, when we look at minerals, Mm -hmm. they all have different relationships with each other. And so zinc is antagonistic to copper. So if you take high dose zinc for three years and don't take any copper, you're going to become copper deficient. And, you know, copper has a lot of its own benefits. We need that. But I think for a short period of time, if you take some extra zinc and you can always, a lot of times zinc supplements come with a little bit of copper already in them. So there Mm -hmm. is that balance. Or if you take a multi, like a good quality multi, there's going to be copper in there. And then you could take some extra zinc. If you do that for a few months, for most people, that's not going to put you over. And then when you're already sick, you know, you could take a little bit more of that as well. And that works really well. What would you consider is a high, I think mine um, is 50 micrograms. Is that considered high? No. So 15 is normal. Usually about 15. Five zero. Oh, five zero. Okay. So that would be a higher dose. Yeah. So you do want to make sure you have a little copper, at least one to two milligrams of copper to off the 50 of zinc. So if you take a multivitamin, I'm sure it has that. If you take 50 milligrams of zinc and you don't have any copper at all, it's possible it could be off. Um, I actually recommend doing a hair analysis and it's just a test where we you know, take a piece of your hair, it gets sent to the lab, then you can see your zinc and copper levels. And you know, because it's possible you're getting a good amount of copper from food, you know, things like nuts and avocado and crab, um, shrimp, mm. those things have a lot of copper. So you may be okay, but it's good to check. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I've been sometimes. dosing like every other day just to try and balance it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that works. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, yeah, that cool. works because sometimes when people have copper toxicity, which is so common from, you know, copper pipes and birth control pills and, you know, certain other environmental factors, you know, we can give them at times, you know, 100, even 150 milligrams of zinc, just short term to help to push out that copper. So okay. it just depends on your balance. No, that's great. So, Thank you. Yeah. So we have, you know, our magnesium, our vitamin D, our C, our zinc. Um, another one of my favorites is oregano. And oregano so oil? I think oregano kills everything. It's personal opinion. I mean, <laughs> like backed up by studies, but I mean, oregano, I mean, we know it's studied to be very antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal. It has a lot of antimicrobial characteristics to it, but I just love it. So what I do is I get essential oil of oregano and you can buy oregano pills, but I feel like they're not strong enough. So mm. I use essential oil of oregano and I get it from one of the, the well, you know, better known essential oil companies out there. And um, that what, what people just need to keep in mind is it's really strong. So some people yeah. say, oh yeah, do you put it under your tongue? No, 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 no. That will burn. You don't want to do that. So my trick is I take some coconut oil, like maybe just a quarter teaspoon. I put it into a spoon. I melt it on the stove, you know, just so it, you know, it's not hard. So it's liquid. And then I put two to three drops of the oregano. I take that I sip water after. I try to not let it touch anything as I swallow it as much as I can. I love that. And it works great. Now, just a a warning, you know, even in the coconut oil, if it touches the back of your throat, it's going to burn. But it only lasts a second or two. Like drink water, it'll be fine. But whatever you do, do not do it straight. I always put mine in water and just like throw it back. (laughs) Yeah, you could do that too. But I feel like that hurts. Like that hurts. You don't think so? Um, no, I don't find that it does to be honest. Mm, and I'm, okay. and I, and I, I don't take it every day. So typically, and, and I'm, I'm, this is a question for you. So I usually, if I, if I take, um, oil of oregano, it's, if I start to feel compromised, like if yes. I'm like, Oh, it's coming, something's mm-hmm. coming, you know, and, it, and, and truly rare do I tip and go, Oh, I'm shit. I'm sick. You know, exactly. I, I, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but do you think that considering all things right now, and I know that you're not prescribing, so I just want to say that, but just for yourself and, and really just for me, you know, do you think that, um, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt necessarily to just kind of, you know, throw some back 
more on the yeah, right, right I would more. say that. I would say yeah. that. I mean, I think we do have to be mindful of how long you do that for, you know, because this can go on for a couple yeah. of months, right? So I don't think I would recommend taking Ringer every day for a few months. And not to say that it's, you know, bad, but because it has these antimicrobial properties, it can kill off some other bugs that you may need. So right. that's why you don't want to do it long-term. And if you do do it, you want to make sure you take some probiotics to replenish the good bugs. Um, right. You know, but I would say you could do it maybe like a couple times a week, or if you're out somewhere and there's people around or someone's coughing around you as a prophylactic that way. Um, and then obviously if you're feeling any sign, and I would say like the first sign of any type of, you know, sniffle, cough, sore throat, anything like that. Yeah. That's when it works the best. Um, and actually speaking of, you know, if you're feeling like you're around people that are sick, another one of my big recommendations is silver. Um, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Awesome. So I don't, um, I personally like the silver soul technology over the colloidal silver, just because um, you tend to need more parts per million of the colloidal and a lot less in the silver soul. Um, and I think the silver soul is just more effective. It stays in suspension. And I always tell people, rinse your nose. Like, you know, we rinse our, wash our hands, right? Like we want to wash our hands as often as possible. Well, infections are going to hang out in your nose for a couple of days and incubate there before they become something else. So, you know, using a net, neti pot, or I'm a big fan of the Neil Med, which is like the plastic bottle with the hole in it, kind of like the neti pot. And I mix the salt solution and then I mix, you know, about two tablespoons or so of the silver solution in there to make it antimicrobial. And I mm. do a nasal rinse that way. And, you know, again, not every day because it could be a little bit drying, but if you're feeling something or if you're around a lot of people or feeling like you could have been exposed, um, if you do that right away, that can work. And you can also take silver orally as well. I love that. That's a great tip. Yeah. I mean, I think right now it's like, listen, you know, we're still learning about this virus. It feels like it's very sneaky. It's very kind of like resilient, like it hangs out, it incubates. I think, what is it, like two weeks we're hearing, something like that? Up to two weeks. And some people are saying it might potentially even be longer than that. I mean, the average is usually four or five days, but it can be longer. Yeah. So it's like everything I think that you're sharing and that we're talking about here as a preventative, I mean, it's just to, again, coming back to the, the illustration of you're going into battle, you know? And so it's like, you're just trying to make sure that you've got the best possible armor the best sword, the best shield that in the event you get hit, you know, you can, you can survive, you know? So those are great tips. You know, is there anything else? I do want to talk about mindset a bit with you because I think it's such an important piece. And, you know, you are a holistic woman, you're a holistic practi practitioner. I am a holistic high performer. And so to, to not integrate you know, mindset into the conversation of health um, is to dismiss, I think, a big piece of health. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I am going to put in the show notes, the episode uh, where you had me on as a guest, which I love so much. It was such a fun episode with you. And we really dove into the layers around mindset and how important, you know, of a role it is in, in keeping yourself healthy and strong. Uh, but before we go there, is there anything left in nutrition and that whole area, that space where we were that we didn't talk about that you think is important to share? Um, the, I just say, um, in terms of herbs, you know, a lot of people may be familiar with things like echinacea and elderberry and andrographis that are, they're called immune boosting herbs. And I just want to say those are also very good. However, 
if you have an autoimmune disease, they may not be good for you. And a lot of people may not realize this and just something to keep in mind because when you have an autoimmune disease, your immune system is already hypervigilant, right? And it may be attacking other things. So if you do something to boost the immune system, right, it may boost the wrong part and the part that's attacking your own organ. So that's where you want to be careful. Um, if you don't, then those herbs are going to be good. But that's why some of the other things I talked about are more kind of boosting more generally and balancing and they're not going to have that same potential negative effect. Okay. Amazing. That's a, that's yeah. a big thing to share. I think. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah I know elderberry has been flying off the shelves, you know, so people are, <laughs> that's an important piece. Yeah. Um, mindset, you know, what in your own life, do you meditate? Do you journal? What are you doing right now to keep your mindset in a very strong, composed, calm place right now? So I do a little bit of all of those things. And I find that depending on the day, I sort of pick and see what makes sense for me and what I'm kind of in the mood for. I do journal a little bit. I do meditate. Um, What I've been doing more so recently is um, trying to, I'm trying to think how I can phrase this without sounding too like out there, but I work on tuning into my own body energy. And, you know, I guess another way to maybe say is to like raise my vibration, but I know that may sound a little bit weird to certain people. Well, not on my podcast. <laughs> I have conversations <laughs> with my highest self and then everyone who listens, but I know we're, we're, this is shared with your community as well, but yeah, uh, my, my listeners are pretty used to this. <laughs> so, awesome. go there. so, um, and this is something that I learned from, uh, my energy practitioner, Patrick and, Um, you know, as I'm sure your listeners know, right? Like energy and, you know, you talk about that too. Energy can't be created or destroyed. It just can be moved, right? So we always have energy. And what's cool is that if you tune into what's happening and you bring awareness to whatever's happening, your body then kind of has that connection. It says, oh, I see. And it then does what it needs to do. Because at the end of the day, we do have this innate ability to heal. Like as much as we talked about that, yes, we need food, yes, we need nutrients and they are the base. We also have this innate ability and we kind of want to use that. So what I do is I do almost like a body scan and I'll start with my feet and go up. But what I do is when I feel the, like say my foot, I would notice, I mean, obviously what sensations are there, you know, if there's any pain or anything like that. But then I also notice this kind of vibration or like a tingling or a buzzing feeling. And I kind of stay with that. And then as I move up my body to my knees, my hips and so on, I feel that vibration in those other areas. And then I connect it. So like, I'll feel it on my foot, then I'll feel it on my knee and then I'll connect it through like my lower leg, you know, until I go through and it takes, you know, maybe five, seven minutes. And then I feel this vibration in my whole body. And when I'm tuning into that, I tune into that energy and then that allows that energy to flow. And that creates more blood flow. And that just creates like things to move, you know, because I think, you know, especially if you're trying to boost immunity and if you're trying to deal with any type of infection, you know, if your body's stagnant, like it's just like nothing's going to happen. Right. Um, so, and this to me is kind of therapeutic, right. To prevent stuff, but it's also very relaxing at the same time. A lot of times I'll do this with music or with a guided meditation. So I'll kind of combine a lot of things I've practiced and doing a lot of different things. And I sort of combine stuff as it feels good to me. Um, it's beautiful. Yes. That's powerful. It's a, yeah, so that's a great tip. Yeah, that for me, you know, has been working really well. Um, the other big thing that I do, and this is something that I've been talking to my coach about, um, and she's part of the Tony Robbins family. And, you know, the big thing there is, you know, our emotions 
-hmm. are created within ourselves, not on the outside. And so, you know, yes, we have all these things going, yes, there's chaos and yes, there's panic and yes, there's coronavirus, right? But you can be calm through the chaos, right? Because it's what you do on the inside. And so, you know, the kind of things that they talk about is that there's three things that create our emotions. It's our physiology, our focus, and our language. So it's, you know, what's our body doing, right? Like, are we like this? You know, are we all hunched over? Are we all tight? You know, are our shoulders down? Is our diaphragm open? Are we relaxed? You know, and then what are we focusing on? You know, and I sometimes, and I notice this, like I will, like, let's say I'm stressed about something or overwhelmed about something. Not only am I thinking about that, but I will, and this sounds funny, but I will literally like in my mind, create a text to like a friend or my husband, even if I don't have time to send it, I'll think like, oh, I'm going to tell them I'm so pissed right now, or I'm so stressed right now. And I'll like go through it in my head, like what I'm going to text them, even if I'm not texting them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're creating the story. That's a common thing. Yeah. Yeah. But the imagination will just keep going and building you. Like you're thinking about what they're thinking and this is how you're going to respond. That is so common. It's Mm -hmm. so... And I think what you said before that is so key. It's like, hey, you have control of that, actually. Like mm-hmm. you're writing the script. It's, it's all you and inside. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And so I think the important thing is to really be vigilant and to kind of stand guard and like catch it um, because we're all going to do it. It's not about blame. It's not about like, oh, no, like, but it's like, okay, there it is. I got it. Let me see how I can change that, reverse that, you know, reframe that in some way. Um, I love that. So I, I call it, uh, you got to be the bouncer. Yes. <laughs> yes, we talked about it on my right? show. I mean, it's so, I think it's such a great visualization because if you think about this like super VIP club and you think like, you know, you, you don't want riffraff in this club. Like you want this club to be high vibes and good feelings and all kinds of like, you want to, you want to hang out. You want to want to hang out in this club, right? Yes. Well, so you're going to need some great bouncers at the door or a great bouncer at the door to make sure that you know, yeah, there's going to be riffraff, AKA negative thoughts, thoughts that don't feel good, all that stuff. They're going to come up because that's called life, right? That's life happening at all times, right? So we can't necessarily control life coming at us and who's going to walk up to the club and say, Hey, can I get in? We can't control that. What we can control is you're coming in or you're not. And when people start to realize that they actually have, that they are the bouncers of their club, right? Then they, the power goes back to them. And I know, you know, listen, sometimes the bouncer might have to get physical. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like just saying like, it might be a struggle. Like you might have to push this feeling away or what, you know, and there are ways to do that. Like just a fun example would be like, if you're having a hard time, with your thoughts, you know, maybe then you go, you change your physiology and maybe this is the equivalent to the bouncer being physical to the thought, because when we change our physiological state, we are impacting our emotional state, right? So do some kind of movement or exercise or whatever to like promote this, you know, good hormones and feelings to take place in your body. So you do not allow these anxious, negative feelings to override you, right? Because you will change your emotional state. Exactly. Another fun thing is to laugh at it. Oh my God. I love that so much. (laughs) Wait, can we just highlight this really quick? Just laughter period right now. I literally, uh, before we were recording, I put that on my stories. I have this couple weeks ago, you know, I I made this joke because I'm laying on my floor and I'm like, 
welcome to carpet talks with Roxy. Cause it's just <laughs> me on my carpet, you know? <laughs> and then it was like a total joke. But when this stuff started happening, I was like, uh, you guys carpet talks with Roxy is real now. Like I'm recording live from carpet because you know, we're home more and it's just, and I just, I wanted to highlight this morning before we started recording the importance of humor and laughter. And I know that's a little different from what you, we, where we just were like laughing at these negative thoughts, but just, I wanted to really highlight the importance of, 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 of humor and laughter right now to promote, you know, stronger immunity, stronger health right now. It's so important. And I think, I mean, I don't know if you've been seeing them. I feel like it's impossible that you haven't, but these toilet paper memes right now, girl, <laughs> are like, like, they are medicinal because they're so ridiculous, you know, and they are just, I like, I find myself laying in bed thinking about a meme that I saw and literally cracking up. And it's so helpful because maybe right before it, I was feeling anxious about, you know, things that are unfolding. Like that's a true story actually. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So yeah. we have to keep laughing at, you know, period. But then also if you do feel like if you're, you know, um, dealing with negative thoughts or thoughts that are making you more anxious, just to kind of like objectify it a little bit, like laugh at it, like, oh, you silly thing. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, you mind, you really think that? Ha ha. That's funny. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So any other tips um, or just thoughts, even just if it's something that you're doing in your own life, you know, around or things that maybe you suggest with your clients, um, just around mindset that could be helpful to our listeners? I think reframing the situation because so many people are kind of thinking, oh my gosh, my kids are home. I'm stuck at home. I can't go anywhere. Like, what am I going to do? Right. And I think that one of the probably biggest things that I hear from people is I don't have enough time, right? Like I don't have time to exercise. I don't have enough time to eat well. I don't have enough time for me. Well, guess what? Now you have time, right? You have a lot of time. So, you know, if you're working normally at an office and you're working from home now, you're saving commute, which it could be an hour or more, right? So using that time then to do some of the things that you don't have time for. So rather than thinking about how boring it is and how annoying it is and how the government's trying to control us and whatever else people are thinking about or how scared you are, you know, use that time then to do a workout. And there's all of these places where you can stream workouts whether it's YouTube or, you know, Beachbody on demand or, you know, there's yoga stuff. I mean, there's so much there. And then, you know, when we're able to hopefully, you know, again, stores are going to be, have different types of um, things there, but whatever you're able to get, you know, you can look up a recipe online then and cook something if you don't normally cook, right? Because you have that time, you know, and then I think also just spending time together, you know, so often we don't eat dinner together because we have different schedules. Now for everyone's home, not only can we eat dinner together, we can eat lunch together. Hey, we can eat breakfast together. And I mean, I think that there's just so much about, you know, just having that family time um, that we don't normally have and having time to connect with each other, you know, and if you're someone who lives alone, then maybe connecting with someone over video even. Yeah, totally. FaceTime right now. It's like, it's, it's amazing because a lot of the friends that usually don't have time because of work and all the things it's like, well, you do now it's, and, and so, you know, I actually have a, a FaceTime 
um, quarantine FaceTime series going on where I screen grab like a funny moment in FaceTime. But, (laughs) you know, I do. I love that you bring this up. You know, it's so important because perspective is everything. I, I say that all the time. It's literally what's shaping our reality, right? It's the way that we're looking at it. It's not even the thing. It's literally the way that we're looking at it. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen, but, you know, online, there's been, um, some posts around how, you know, Isaac Newton, because of the bubonic plague, you know, and he was isolated, he had to isolate himself. That is when some of his greatest works like calculus and uh, gravity came about. And so if you think like, wow, we are forever changed because that isolation period that, you know, he had to live through, it's like, man, what businesses are going to be like business ideas are going to be born right now from people who are home and, you know, have the, the ability to think, um, of these things or what, what next, you know, huge Hollywood movie, you know, because the script is going to be written right now or what new, you know, bestseller. I mean, there's just, I'm pointing a lot towards creativity because I'm always thinking like, how can you, and I think connection was an, also was such an important piece, but it's like, how can you, how can you, how do you turn better from this? Yes. And not, not even for yourself, not just for yourself. How do you get better for yourself and for everybody around you? And then that pulls in the piece of communication in my life. I love knowing that I'm the rock. You're calling me something's wrong. I'm the Zen rock. Who's very resilient. So if you need some mindset, like calming and you know, you're calling me, you know? And so I just, I think that, you know, for me, it's, I always, I don't want to just get through challenge but I want to find the ways within the challenge that I am going to become better from it. And also how I maneuver through the challenge. So when I look back, I don't look back and go, okay, yeah, you survived it. But I look back and I go, girl, you, you crushed it. You were composed. You were calm. You were level-headed. You fought the fight with intelligence and that can only happen when you're calm and you're composed, right? Mm-hmm. Cause if you're panicked, I mean, definitely out the window. Absolutely. So that, yeah. that is such a powerful piece. Thank you for bringing mm-hmm. that up. Of course. And you know, I think to your point also about, you know, you being there for people and doing all the good work and, you know, for your, obviously your audience and your clients, but also just your family and your friends, you know, that has a lot to do with your immune system as well. Because when you're helping others and you're compassionate, and that's something Dr. Maria Martinez talks about, um, you're actually increasing certain immune boosting chemicals in the body. So I think that if people think about, you know, not, and again, we have to think about ourselves obviously and be safe, but if we're also trying to think, okay, well, how can I be of service? Okay, I'm stuck at home, but can I help someone maybe by ordering something online for them or by just talking to them and talking them down from a ledge? Yeah. You know, that like being helpful is actually going to raise your immune system because you're doing something good. I love that. That's yeah, compassion, empathy, thoughtfulness. This stuff is huge, man. It's such a, you know, it's like put it in a spoon and take it down the hatch. Like it's like, like serve it to your people, you know, don't be the person who has a garage full of toilet paper right now. Because, like, oh, sorry. The toilet paper thing kills me. I don't even, I don't understand it. You know, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Why does a respiratory issue like to toilet paper? I don't get it. Oh, I have to tell you, speaking of toilet paper. So I was telling you I was born in Lithuania and 
you know, I don't remember this because I was young, but my parents tell me, so toilet paper is not something that you could have gotten there very easily. And so they did actually have lines for toilet paper. And like, I mean, again, I was too young to remember, but my parents would tell me that like they would get toilet paper once every like few months and like they have to wait in line for many hours. So (laughs) they totally get the joke now, but, um, but yes, I don't totally understand. It's just crazy. It just shows, you know what it shows? It shows that fear is so infectious, you know, because it's like all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, toilet paper, you gotta have, well, if I, if he's going to take all the toilet paper, she's going to take it, then I got to take it. And it's like, whoa, calm down here, you know, like, and I think maybe that's a great place to end is just, you know, while fear is very um, infectious and contagious, so is love, so is compassion, and these things that we just spoke about. So it's like, decide and understand that you really can make this decision. Decide what what side you want to be on. Where are you operating from? Are you operating from fear? Are you operating from panic? Or are you operating from, you know, compassion and strength and composure and understanding that not only is just, just is this going to make you feel better? And, you know, as you move through this, but it's going to support your overall health, you know, in general, and especially through this process, right? Absolutely. And if you are operating out of fear, just know that you can shift. I love that. Right. Cause we're hour by hour. So when you catch yourself and you're the bouncer at the door, like just send them off, <laughs> send it off. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh, Ina, thank you so much, girl. You are so fun. Um, I'm so grateful. Like this has been such a beautiful investment of time, not just for me, for our listeners. And just, you know, thank you for being such a beautiful, genuine contributor to our lives because, you know, the work that you're doing is in fact a contribution. So I I just want to honor you and thank you for that. And then I would love um, if you can, and all of everything will be in the show notes, but you have an amazing podcast. Like I said, the one that I just listened to the last episode is incredible, but just so people can keep up with you, social media, if people want to work with you as well, please. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, first of all. And I feel like right back at you for all of those things and all the services you provide. Um, So thank you. I'm just honored to be here. Um, And for me, so my podcast is Health Mystery Solved. Um, so people can find me healthmistressself.com or obviously on any of the podcast listening apps that they have. My practice is Complete Nutrition and Wellness. So it's just www.completenutritionand, which is just spelled out A-N-D, wellness.com. Our emails, there are phone numbers there. If people need to reach out, they need anything, um, you know, we're, we're there and, you know, we're virtual. So even though everyone's working from home, <laughs> it's yeah. business as usual here. So yeah. uh, I'm definitely here to help if people need. Okay, perfect. And social media, Instagram? Oh, it's just at Ina Toppler. So just perfect. my name. Okay, well, thank you so much. I'm going to let you get back to your life. And I, I so look forward to sharing this. I'm going to put this out very soon and um, to be continued. Awesome, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you, girl. Bye, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired, 
to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate Recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.